Would you be the preacher? Would you be my? It's the done, the done, done. I still got a lot of shit to learn. I'll admit it. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, good whatever, and welcome to podcast episode 39 of Role Model. You've come to the right place if you want to be a happier and more successful person. And I'm super excited for today's episode because it's just so important. We all have bad moments, like everyone. Everyone, the Dalai Lama, your neighbor, Cristiano Ronaldo, everyone has bad moments. The question is, how much time do you want to spend feeling sad or mad? Maybe, maybe how much time do you want to spend being angry? And on today's episode, Tony Robbins, you guys, you guys know I freaking love him, is telling you how you actually, yeah, change your mind, how you get from a negative state of mind to a positive, how you focus on the good things and how you actually become happy again. Guys, this is Tony Robbins and just enjoy this speech. When I was in the toughest times and I was able to pull myself through, how did I do it? What were some of the elements that made the biggest difference in your life when you did those turnarounds, when you made it through whatever was your toughest times? For me, those toughest times in the very beginning were when I was just a kid and my mom and dad separated and my mom thought I was on my dad's side, so she kicked me out. She kicked him out already. He moved back east and I was literally sleeping in my car trying to figure out how to survive and you know homeless trying to figure out what to do i had to figure out what am i going to do to change myself because first i was just depressed and overwhelmed and i felt like there's nothing i could do i had a similar experience in a different way at a totally different stage of life in my early 30s when suddenly i was diagnosed of having a tumor in my brain and all of a sudden your whole life becomes total uncertainty and what do you do to turn things around well at the most fundamental level I did five things, and these are the five that I invite you to consider and look at your life to either take yourself to the next level, be able to thrive during these difficult times, or turn yourself around so you can begin to thrive. The first thing I believe you got to do to turn yourself around is really take control of your mind, or specifically, you got to feed and strengthen the mind. The mind is an interesting place, isn't it? I mean, fear can take us over. Uncertainty kind of unleashes all these thoughts that make us start to believe very often that things will always be bad, that we'll never be able to turn it around, or that we don't have the capability. It's just the nature of those inner voices that everybody feels at times. Now, maybe you're not feeling it right now, but I'm sure there are times that you have. So to take control of your focus, what do you do? Well, then I was told all of a sudden I had a tumor or way back when, when I'm on my own trying to figure out what to do, I realized that somehow to take control of my mind, I had to feed it. That if I didn't feed my mind, I'd you know, I'd be living on the weeds that came around me. I mean, today, if all you do is, you know, pick up your phone, you've got all kinds of messages that are going to get your full attention or flip on Google and check out the news or watch CNN or whatever it is you do, it's constantly coming at us. One of my first teachers, Jim Rohn, taught me something years ago. He said, Tony, every day you've got to stand guard at the door of your mind. He said, you know, I'll give you a good lesson. He said, think about this. What if your worst enemy in the whole world came and drop some sugar in your coffee. He said, what would happen to you? And I was just a 17-year-old kid just getting started. And I said, what do you mean? I'd have sweet sugar. He said, that's right. He said, what if your best friend with the best intention in the world dropped one drop of strychnine in your coffee? 
I said, I'll be dead. He goes, that's right. So remember, life is both sugar and strychnine, and you better stand guard at your coffee. Stand guard at the door of your mind, because things feed in there, and you start to accept them. They start to become beliefs. You start to make up meanings that take over your life. My fastest way of combating that when I was first brand new, you know, just trying to figure out what to do with my life, was to read. And I was poor. I was literally sleeping in my car. So I'm ancient enough to remember when there wasn't an internet and when I would go to the library. And I would go to that library and my whole goal was feed the mind. Feed the mind for at least an hour minimum a day, and sometimes more than that, where I would read somebody's biography. I'd read the story of somebody who went through some unbelievably difficult time and how they turned it around. And it gave me perspective. Or I'd read a book like As a Man Thinketh. If you haven't read it, it's worth reading again and again. You can read the book in about 20 minutes. Or I'd read Man's Search for Meaning, where all of a sudden Viktor Frankl, a man who was literally living at that time in Auschwitz, losing all of his family, and he figured out how to make it through that time and add value. These stories, these things fed my mind something nutritious, something strong. If we are what we eat, we are what we read. We are what we listen to. Later on, I began to feed my mind, you know, about understanding the ideas around health principles and how people had turned themselves around who had tumors, who had cancer. Uh, I did the same thing most of my life, starting when I was 17, by listening to audio tapes. I went out, I was constantly feeding my mind. I didn't let or hope that a good, a good idea would, inter, you know, interrupt me or interject itself upon me. I knew a great idea had to be pursued. I had to go after it. I had to feed and strengthen my mind every single day. So I did it with audio tapes. I did it with books. And I did it by literally doing incantations, saying to myself something over and over again with such intensity till my mind began to believe it. So reading, listening, feeding your mind is the first step to get out of that place of uncertainty and start to retap into your real ability to thrive in any environment. What's the second key? Well, number two is you got to feed and strengthen your body. As simple as that sounds, if you've been around any of my work at all, you know I believe physiology first. And sometimes even try to feed your mind. You can feed it, but those thoughts keep coming back. What's going to change that mind faster than anything else is a radical change in your body, a radical shift in your physiology. How do you do it? Well, think about this. When times are really uncertain, fear creeps in. What is fear? Fear is something quite physical. It takes a hold of you when it's really there and intense. We've all had that gut level fear, that dark night of the soul at times where it feels like, you know, nothing's going to work. So how do you turn it around? Yeah, you feed your mind, but you also strengthen that body. When's the last time you really pushed yourself? You went on a run, a slight jog or a walk, but at the end, you pushed yourself for that last two minutes, five minutes, whatever it was, till you felt like your heart was pumping up, like going to spit out blood, where there was an intensity in you. I know I sound over the top, but that's how I turned myself around. Way back then, when I was literally just starting my journey, I was 38 pounds heavier than I am now, and I was starting to feed my mind, but it wasn't enough. I had to really feed my body, and the way I did it is I decided to go on this run. I picked up, you know, these, in those days I had cassette tapes, Again, that's how ancient I am, sorry, a time, there was a time before, you know, iPods or anything of that nature, and I listened to this song, this cassette tape, it was by this group, and it was a female group called Heart, and the song was Barracuda, I'll never forget, and I went out there, and I decided to go on a run, man, run for God only knows how long, you know, years, and I had a nice big fat belly, but again, I pushed myself so hard, like I had nothing left, and I pushed myself even more, and when that blood started rushing in me, when that was pumping in my brain and my body, or go out and lift weights. 
go out and push yourself and feel yourself have to force through whatever was your limitation before. When that gets inside you, that physical strength again, that sense of breaking through, every part of you starts to operate differently. Your body changes, so does your mind. What's the third key? Well, that third step is you got to get a role model that inspires you and really shows you the way. One of the biggest things that'll change you once you're mentally and physically strong is you need to believe. You need not just have a sense of certainty, but you got to believe that there is a pathway to get to where you want to be. Whatever it is you want to change, whether it be your body, your mind, your emotions, your finances, your relationship, you need a role model. So, for example, last October, I realized I only had a few minutes to be on television. How do I get these people that think they've lost their nest egg and it'll never come back to not just think I'm being positive, but show them a real example? That's what a role model is, is I should say. It's a real example. So I thought, well, the best example is just show them history. So at that time, you know, they interviewed me and they said, well, many stocks have gone from $80 and the last few months they're down to $8. I said, well, let me tell you the good news and the bad news. Some of those $8 stocks are going to be $5 or two or a dollar. Many of them are going to go to 75 cents. And, you know, people were hold back and saying, well, that's not very positive. I said, well, here's what's positive. If you study the patterns of history, if you look back to what happened in the 1930s, if you see what happened in the 1970s during that time as well, when the market went through this huge crash in the Depression or in the 70s, there was a period of time not that long afterwards when there was this big growth. An $8 stock that went down to $1.75 didn't make it back to $80 right away. That took decades. But a $0.75 cent stock that had been $80 or $50 or $60 would go from $0.75 cents to $5 literally in a month or two or three. It's happened twice before. It's happened during this same pattern. There's a role model for this. That means you would go from $0.75 cents to $5. That's a 2,000% increase. That's a greater return than most investors will see over their entire lifetime. It can happen in two or three months. You can make it back. Now, I said, but I don't know if now's the time to jump in. I just know that time is coming. You got to study it. And then, you know, I told investors, look at Sir John Templeton. He had just passed away a few months before. I'm fortunate enough to know him. If you don't know the name, he's one of the greatest investors in history. And he became an investor, a billionaire, I should say, by being an investor, and he started with $10,000. How do you do that? He did it because he believed you make all your money at times of maximum pessimism. That was his role model. In 1939, the Depression is going on, Hitler invades Poland, and he's in a place where all heck is breaking loose, and he took his $10,000 and he invested it all he could in the stock market, bought stocks that cost the dollar, Many of these stocks were near bankruptcy. But what do you think happened after the war? Things got back to normal. The season always comes back. He became a billionaire from those investments. He invested in Japan when no one would invest in Japan because no role model would do that. They're, they just got bombed. The, the country's down to mud and dirt. He bought things for pennies that grew and he sold them for a huge profit. If you're looking to make your business successful today and you're trying to think, how do I do this in this tight economy? Look around at role models. Who around you is still doing well? There are people. You just got to find them. Look at Zappos. Zappos is a company that only a few years ago was sitting around in a garage. And in this economy, they're thriving, selling shoes. They're going to do a billion dollars this year. Or better yet, if you're just feeling like you lost your job, you know, you've lost your home, you've lost your income, your nest egg, or you're facing just unbelievable challenge, then look at somebody like a Nick V. If you don't know who I'm talking about, go to my blog and watch a video of him. I'm shortening his name because it's very hard to pronounce his name. I'll be respectful, but I've got his whole story there. You can watch it. 
Here's a guy that was born with no arms and no legs. I mean, literally, he can't dress himself, can't move, can't feed himself. He wanted to die. He was totally depressed. And in one day, he figured out a different way of looking at life. He somehow began to strengthen his mind and body, and he got a different role model of what was possible inside of himself. And now, he inspires people all over the world. Little kids who think they have a big problem, adults who think they have a big problem, meet him and go, how does he even make a phone call, <laughs> you know? And you'll see him do it. He's got this one little web foot. Please go see it, you'll be inspired. We all need contrast sometimes. Not only role models of how to get it done and be successful, but role models of how to deal with our problems and our challenges. So get a role model that'll inspire you and show you the way. And the fourth key now is you've got to get a proven plan and you gotta take massive action. Don't even worry about a proven plan. There are lots of role models, hopefully they'll prove it to you, but get a plan, do something. I, I tell people all the time, you just you gotta remember the power of massive action. So often in life, people don't begin the journey because they're not quite sure what to do or how to do it right or how to do it perfect. If you want to change your body, get yourself moving. Don't wait for the perfect trainer. Just go out there and move. Put on your shoes and move and get momentum. Just remember, progress equals happiness. If you can start to make progress, if you can get yourself going, even if it's not perfect, if it doesn't work, you know what to do. Just change your approach. If that doesn't work, change your approach. But if there's anything that will shift your life, that will get you to thrive in a difficult situation, is take some massive action. Try something else. Change it, try it, move it. I go on and on on this, but I want to be respectful to your time, so let me give you the final key, number five. Number five, I think, is the most important of all. So just to remind you, first thing you got to do is feed and strengthen that mind. Read, listen, feed the mind, take control of that focus, stand guard at what other people are saying, focus on what it is you're here to give, what you can control, what you can make happen. Number two, feed and strengthen that body. Remember, fear, uncertainty, they're physical experiences. So the best way to deal with something physical is get physical. Change that body. Go lift some weights. Go for that run. Do something that's going to get you in that state. If you've been to our seminars, you know exactly what to do. But get that hour of power going, that 15 minutes to thrive, if you're familiar with that, to train your body and mind to be strong again. Number three, make sure you put yourself in that position where you find a role model that's going to inspire you and show you that way. Maybe it's a contrasting role model. You think your life's so tough? Find somebody with tougher who's really turned it around. Or maybe it's just somebody who's really succeeded that you can now see there is a way. There's a way through. There's a way to make this happen, even in the toughest times. There's always a way. Four, make sure you get yourself into action. Get a plan. Take massive action. And then number five, most importantly of all of them, feed your spirit. Feed and strengthen your spirit. And there's only one way to do that. It's to find what you're grateful for and to take time whether it be prayer for you or just taking a moment to think about what it is that's so lucky in your life. There's, there's a rejuvenation in our spirit when we stop taking things for granted. And when most importantly, what feeds your spirit is to give, to find a way to do something for someone else who's worse off than you are. Because what is this all about? It's about strength and it's about perspective. It's about action. It's about emotion and it's about heart. And so many people, you know, miss the opportunity to feel like their life makes a difference. I'm a big believer that motive does matter, that why you do something people can feel, that people may be skeptical, they may have their judgments or their fears because they've been through so much, but in my experience, ultimately, why you're doing something people feel, and if you're doing this because some part of you knows that you're here in life, not just to get, but to give, 
then there's a spark that happens in other people because they feel the genuineness of that and there's a spark that happens in you because it reminds you what you're made for. Like Thanksgiving is coming and it's supposed to be a time of giving thanks, right? But unfortunately for a lot of people, what we're finding is it's just about eating turkey or, you know, eating so much and going and watching the ball game and forgetting what the spirit of the holiday is really about. Many of you who know me probably know the story of what's happened in my life and why I'm sharing this with you right now. Because when I was 11 years old, my family, I'm young brother and sister, I'm the oldest, and my father and my mother, we were in a position where my father had lost his job and we had no money and no food. And we wouldn't have starved, but we certainly weren't going to have a Thanksgiving dinner, that's for sure. And it was depressing, and my father was saying things to my mother, and mother was saying things to my father that, you know, you never forget and you can never take back. And we were in this psychological, emotional hole. And it felt like nothing could get better. And what changed my life was a simple act of kindness. <laughs> Somebody who to this day, <clears throat> I'm actually even thinking about it still. It's why I want to talk to you today. Um, to this day, I don't know who it was. But they decided, or, or knew our family, I guess, and they sent a guy, a delivery guy, to knock on the door. And, you know, my parents were fighting, so I answered the door. And... There was this tall man standing with this big box of food, everything you could imagine for this holiday. And beside him on the ground was this black pan with an uncooked turkey in it. And he said, is your father here? And I said, just one moment. <laughs> and I quickly went over and grabbed my dad and didn't tell him who it was at the door. Just said, you got to answer, you got to answer it. And opened the door. And, and unfortunately, my father didn't take in the gift. He was angry. He said, you know, we don't accept charity. He was very intense about it. And... It was, a, it was a seminal experience in my life because I wanted to celebrate and ultimately it became a celebration for the rest of my family. But my father didn't take in the fact that strangers can care, that strangers could really look out for you, that there could be an opportunity for you to take in a gift in life. And my father shortly after that experience uh, left our family. It was one of the more intense moments of my life. But the beauty that came out of that event is the reason why I'm here right now, not just talking to you in this conversation here on the internet, but the reason I do what I do is because I was penetrated by this kindness because the meaning I gave it was that strangers care. And if strangers care about me, then I care about strangers. I gotta find a way to give back. And I promised I'd find a way to do that. And so by the time I was 17 years old, I figured out how to do it. I wasn't real successful yet, as you might guess, but I decided I was gonna feed two families. And I went to the grocery store and I got two baskets and I went around and put enough food you know, for two different families to have this incredible dinner, and I started the journey. And I began by feeding a family with five kids who I had no clue, but the father had left, and it was, it was destiny for me. Next year, I decided it was so moving and emotional, I was gonna feed four families, and I didn't tell anybody. And the next year, eight, because I wasn't doing it for stars on my chart, but eventually, eventually, I thought, God, I could use some help. <laughs> so I got my friends involved, and gradually, I grew some of my small companies, and my employees got involved, and really proud to tell you that, you know, 30 plus years later today, um, we're in a situation now where through the foundation together with people like yourself, we feed more than 3 million people last year in 32 countries. So my final kind of offering to you, my invitation is come join me. Let's go out and touch some souls. What I really want is you to have the experience of reaching out and touching a stranger for no good reason except that's right. Because I know what that'll do to your spirit. If you're successful, it's going to make you feel something more than success. It'll give your life more meaning. If you're facing some real challenges and you enter a place like when I went down to the South Bronx, I'll never forget, and 
you know, entering a place with no electricity, where people were literally starving, or a man who was literally on the streets, and we brought him this big basket. It was beautiful, and gave him blankets and socks and food. And I literally jumped out of the van. I was with this amazing man from the Salvation Army. He was driving me around, and jumped out and handed this big basket, this huge basket, to this man. And I mean. First, he just looked shocked. Then he started to get this big smile. Then he got teary-eyed. And as I was leaving, there was this moment that you, you never forget. I sent this video to you to hopefully, during the holidays, hopefully add some value to you, to remind you of what I know you know. You can thrive no matter what the obstacle, no matter what the economy, no matter what the challenge. The fundamentals are really basic, and you can take back control of your life. And if you're doing well, it's to say to you, man, you and I, if we're doing well, we have responsibility to give something back. Not only responsibility, but an opportunity. So, thanks for listening for so long. I hope this has been helpful for you. Sorry, I'm emotional, but and um, I hope this has been helpful to you in your life in some way. And again, I appreciate your time, and I look forward to hopefully our paths cross again sometime soon. Till then, live strong, live with passion, and God bless you. Okay, that was Tony Robbins, and please, please read his books. They changed my life completely. They will change your life. I freaking love Tony because his stuff is so practical. Like, you can change immediately. You learn so much about life, about happiness, about yeah, being successful. Ugh. And if you haven't already, leave a review for this podcast it takes less than 20 seconds but makes me happy helps me reaching more people so just go leave a review and please have an amazing weekend see you on monday